It's time to bring home baby's first podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and despite my appearance, I'm actually 10 years old. I'm Ben Sheets, the leader of the Mighty Orphan Power Rangers. Oh, nice! Hello, I'm Cleveland Mosier, but today you can call me by my agent name, Psycho Dwarf Mantis. <laughs> A.K.A. Oh, and... The Mutant Grifter. A.K.A. 13 going on 30. <laughs> and I'm the guest, obviously walking on his knees, Jan Solstrom. <laughs> the man who needs no introduction, Jans is back. Cleveland is uh, joining us remotely because watching this movie uh, gave him monkeypox. And uh, so he's at home isolating. Yep. Now, um, to, be, to be clear, I don't know for a fact that I have monkeypox. I'm showing all the symptoms of it, going into a doctor tomorrow to find out for sure. No, you have you have monkeypox and this movie gave it to you. I mean, well, there are there are chimp related things, but we'll we'll get into that. Well, yeah, let's let's hop right in, shall we? Uh, we're, we're we're talking about the uh, brand new uh, <laughs> um, film *Orphan: First Kill*, directed by William Brent Bell, and it is a prequel to the 2007 movie *Orphan*. Yeah. Something like I that. Think? 2009. Nine? 2009, okay. Now, I know for a fact that Ben Cleveland and I have not seen that movie. Jans, have you seen The Original Orphan? Yes, absolutely. Okay, you have. All right, so that that's actually, that's good. So you can provide us any necessary context we need from that. Well, it's nice because First Kill's a prequel, so you don't really have to, like, you guys could watch Narratively, Orphan. sure. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think we all know the basic premise of Orphan, the family adopts a little girl. She turns out to actually be a 30-year-old woman with like dwarf a special kind of dwarfism that makes her look like a child. But we have to get it out of the way immediately because I think it's going to be the major point of focus for our entire discussion. They got the same actress from the original Orphan back to play the character in this one, Isabel Furman. Well over a decade later. Almost 15 years later. When the first orphan came out, she was actually 10 years old. Now, she's like 25. And she's back reprising her role as a 30-year-old woman who looks like a 10-year-old girl. Well, in a horror version like of a Dear Evan girl. Hansen. Well, is supposed yeah. to look like a 10-year-old girl. Yeah, we could. We should actually call this movie Dear Esther Hansen. Mm-hmm. There you go. I uh, was calling it uh, Tiptoes 2. Tiptoes is the movie where Gary Oldman plays a dwarf walking around on his knees, right? Am I thinking of the yes. right movie? No, no, okay. yeah, that is that is the Part, correct movie. Peter Dinklage, right? As a six-foot-six adult man, yeah. Yeah, so... That is definitely uh, the most obvious thing about this movie. Um, It's very obviously a fully grown adult woman. Uh, They're relying heavily on body doubles for a lot of the stuff. Anytime they shoot her from behind or from a distance, it's very obvious that they have like an actual child. And then for the close-ups or facing her, it's a woman on her knees. 
It's something. Well, okay, here's the thing with it, right? Because she's playing a 31-year-old with, you know, a condition that makes her in a 10-year-old's body. And because now she's, like, 31, basically, playing a 31-year-old supposed to be in a 10-year-old's body, it's almost like an age-ception, the point where it's so yes. stupid that it almost kind of works in a stupid, schlocky way. It's stupid, that's for sure. I, When we first started watching this movie, I was like, I, I just kept thinking, like, why did they think this was a good idea? Like, why didn't they just cast another, like, young child actress who looks kind of the same. And then as the movie unfolded, it became more and more obvious to me that having Isabel Furman reprise the role was the point all along. There's a point about halfway through where this movie went from, oh, I'm focusing it on the stupid Dear Evan Hansen shit to, okay, this movie became something way different and way unique, and even though this stuff is fucking stupid and terribly executed, I have no idea where this movie is going. Yeah, dude, and I'm I had here. a great time watching this. I, I'm, I, we're probably going to watch it again for movie night in the Discord. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I kind of liked this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like I think this movie, especially with what happens about halfway through, I'm going to say no spoilers for now. We'll spoil things yeah. later. Um, but there's a big twist that comes about halfway through that turns this movie from, like, okay, this is probably the same as the first one, Except, like, shittier because of the the struggles to kind of reuse the same actress to something where I'm like, okay, this is kind of batshit, and this is the kind of schlock that I was looking for. And I think, like, I was telling Tease after we finished watching that, like, this is a cool, unique premise with a terrible director. Uh, this is the guy who directed, for reference, William Brent Bell, who directed The Boy and The Boy 2. And also, I looked it up, what is and it he, directed, he directed that movie uh, Stay Alive in the early 2000s. If you die in the game, you die in real yes, life. Dude, holy shit, I yeah. forgot about that movie. Wow. I actually watched that recently. Does it hold up? Does it hold up? <laughs> uh, we watched it for movie night. Where were you, Cleveland? I don't know. Was it there? Uh, I thought so, but yeah, we sat down and we all watched Stay Alive because someone was like, "What's that bad Frankie Muniz movie?" And I was like, "Oh, Stay Alive." Oh, and uh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. There's like the yeah. Blood Queen, and it's terrible. And God, it's a rough movie. He's only yeah. making like child horror films. Do do we need to do we need to tell someone? Do we need no, to? Oh no, I don't make any implications, but. I don't know. Some things in this movie kind of made me wonder. Well, I mean, I think the the most yikesy thing I, I referenced it in my nickname was the the tweet that like the one of the publications like put out 
like surrounding the film, which was like thirteen going on thirty, and I'm like, that's creepy. No, shit. it's it. They were trying to play off of the short-lived uh, "she's a ten butt" meme, and so it was a picture of her, and it would say she's a ten, but she's actually thirty three or something like that. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> fucking gross which, too. Oh, yeah, oh, well, yeah. I mean, no, it's it's yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's fucking worse. <laughs> can can we get someone to do a welfare check on Paramount? Yeah, damn. See what's going on. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that's what I mean. That's what I mean when I say that. Like, I realized throughout this movie that her, like, the same actress as an adult playing the role as a kid, was like the point of the whole movie because it lets them get away with doing like the weird, like she wants to bang her fake dad who thinks that he's her daughter well you have a full pedophile yeah well yeah that's how she breaks that's how she breaks out of the estonian asylum at the beginning is that like one of the guards is a pedophile and like she flirts with him and then bashes his head against a wall but like yeah it's yeah that is the first instance of uh for some reason Yes, yes, yes. This 30-year-old woman who is who looks like a 10-year-old is the strongest fucking person in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird <laughs> because it's not like the disorder that she has would like she would still have the strength of an adult. Like no, effectively she has the body of a child, which does bring up another thing that like multiple times in this movie we see her using like a a binder, like a chest binder to like flatten her chest which is confusing because i thought isn't the thing that she yeah why does she have to do like a thing so why is she why does she have like adult woman breasts that she has to hide they don't really go into that yeah i don't think this movie really understands its own rules a lot of the time Mm. which is oh it's it's definitely like a a movie about smart people written by <laughs> dumb people. Like my, my favorite is it a movie about smart people? Well, no, she's supposed <laughs> to be a genius con artist. Okay, like, sure. And, she's and, yeah, know, she's supposed to be. So it's it's supposed to be about like a smart person. Like, but people who aren't smart wrote it. So you have this, and it's one of my favorite things to see in movies. Where, um, like, and my the best example of it is. To show us that she is a super genius manipulator, um, she manipulates one of the patients uh, to to do her bidding, like one of her fellow patients at the facility. The problem is, is that she doesn't like get into her psychosis or her her uh, you know like like utilize like her her disability in any capacity. She just offers her a, he just she just gives her a piece of candy and she does anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's. Well, I mean, she's she's trained her to be an attack dog, yeah. basically. Look, I'm not gonna make the jokes that are sitting right in front of me on this one. No, we shouldn't. Um, but come on, candy, super strength, candy, super strength. Yeah, yeah. so like it's it's one of those things. Oh yeah. no, John's uh, <laughs> got it. Oh dear. Oh, oh, it's oh no. Is this a Stephen King situation? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a creep show Stephen King situation. He's got that farm boy. Ooh, got that farm yeah. boy strength. <laughs> farm boy strength, exactly. This uh, while we're while we're being problematic, uh, the whole time I was watching this movie, 
I just kept thinking, I want somebody to make a movie that's basically the same premise, except it's starring Hasbula. <laughs> oh yeah, good old Hasbula. Hasbula, can oh, you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. The, the little doctor, yeah. yeah the 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 Chechen guy who has basically this disorder and he's like twenty but he's he looks like a like a five year old like a toddler. Yeah, yeah. this guy. I, like, no, I, don't put him in movies, Cleveland. We talked about why Hezbollah shouldn't be given any oh, kind yeah, of attention. Problematic. I forgot. Hez, is uh, is on the the hunt for clout at all times. He would absolutely be in a movie like this. Yeah. You know that little that little thing that hangs out with Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars, like the little thing that cackles a bunch. Oh yeah, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, salacious, salacious, salacious B. Crumb. Crumb. Salacious yeah. B. Crumb. Okay, Hasbula is that for Chechen warlords? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Hasbula is the salacious B. Crumb for Chechen warlords. He's he's the he's the little mini me that uh, fucking. Um, Marlon Brando has in the uh, the Island of Doctor <laughs> that he insists that Marlon Brando insisted on having, who was not in the script. And he's like, I want this tiny little man dressed just like me. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Is that for for Chechen warlords? <laughs> um, there is one thing I want to address. A couple things. Um. I don't know why I came in sounding that professional. I was like, "There's a couple things I'd like to address here." Now we've had our we've had our jokes. Now we've had our fun time. Clear. We need to okay. get serious with this. Let me All be right, clear. Johns. Let, let me be clear. Um, let me be clear. Couple things at the beginning of the movie to touch on Cleveland's like uh, smart smart characters written by dumb people. I like that at the beginning they do like an Avengers walking down the hallway breakdown. With like the uh, because the movie starts with an art therapist showing up at this uh, I want to say Bolivian, but it's not Bolivian. Holy shit, Estonian, Estonian. There we go. At this Estonian um asylum, and they're explaining. They're like, "Oh, the most dangerous person that we have in here resides in this room," and it's just like this thirty-year-old that looks like a ten-year-old. It's like okay, I guess. Yeah, they're like she's the most insidious manipulator yeah she's a, she's a brilliant con man yeah it's, the it's director played up doesn't know what estonia is though yeah that's <laughs> that's a little tangent we should go on to i think this movie is set in like 2007 something like that yeah. uh when she like escapes the asylum and like finds the girl's identity that she's going to steal like, she goes to, like, a park in the middle of the night to hang out, so she gets found by the police. But the cop is, like... This is in 2007, but the cop is wearing, like, an Ushanka with, like, a Soviet, like, Red Army pin on it. And they pick, and her, they up pick, her, and they pick her up from Moscow. And it's like, does this movie think that the Soviet Union was still a thing in 2007? Because they sure... They sure are treating it like like. Wait, wait, wait a second. Are there any smartphones phones in the movie? There's no smartphones, no. but uh, she does use a laptop after she kills the therapist. Oh and, damn, uh, she does to look for a uh, a suitable child actually, to impersonate. No, there there totally are smartphones because uh, when they have her back on the when they have her on the plane and they're flying her back to America, 
the mom is like showing her pictures of the husband being like isn't your dad hot oh shit you're and right she's showing oh, him on like yeah. a, like a, like on a, like original iphone i think something like that also one thing i noticed around that time was that the entire film is in this weird Vaseline soft focus. Ben said that exact same yeah, thing. Ben 100%. said that exact same thing. I, know yeah, why uh, I think it was to try to hide some of the fucked up Isabel Furman stuff. Yes. But it looks... To make her, to make her complexion look a little bit uh, smoother. Yeah, yeah, to hide the crow's feet. Yeah. Um, the, the... <laughs> I mean, that's not fair. She's like... Oh, only 25 but like no, that not, is, it's like crow's feet but it, it is like she is starting to get like wrinkles like under her eyes yeah and, 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 just like, because children don't have adults do and it's like she's got like yeah. this very like shapely like face and jawline and like these high cheekbones and there's like no there's no baby fat whatsoever it's like she does not Look, no, she's an adult. She does not look like a child at all. Like it, it is like we've referenced Dear yeah. Evan Hansen a couple of times, but like it, mm-hmm. it is that. Like, like it, you, you can, you can go, "Hello, Daddy!" Like all day, right? Like her voice yeah. doesn't sound like a child either. Her voice sounds like an adult's voice. The yeah. amount of times they have shots where characters will like lean down to her height, and then they'll cut to a close up where it, it seems like they're just standing is fucking hilarious. I Okay. We'll get into the blocking and in Jan's Jan's uh, there's a oh, reason no. like, I'm about to just to on the podcast, Yeah, I'm about to just I drop do, this fucking blocking bomb. Right before you do. I I do okay. want to mention like I, I had thoughts on it and I, I was trying to put a pin, uh, kind of pinpoint what it looked like, like the the soft focus all over it. And it's the same as it's that same feeling like when you're watching old TV shows. And it looks like mayonnaise was, like, kind of, like, accidentally smeared on the screen a little bit. Like, someone was kind of eating something greasy and they picked up the camera wrong. Like, yeah, it's the soap and, opera effect. Yeah, it's like they reverse 4K resed it. Like, it's like, because, you know, like, uh, a lot of TV series like that, um, that look like that, are now getting, like, 4K re-releases. You know, where they've been, like, artificially, like, uh... The, the resolution has been increased or whatever it's like they i really mean for for that. shows that genuinely do that it's mostly a soap opera thing to kind of hide the high key lighting and you know stuff like that where for this movie they're just hiding the the issues they have with age <laughs> yes. yeah so Jan's... anyway that's that's uh puts a pin on that well point. Let's no no, no. i i want to touch on that point for i just want to give you a bonkers theory first Okay. With with the uh with the twist that happens and the overall just fucked upness of the whole movie, is it in soft focus because they're trying to make it an homage to telenovelas? It's not a clear enough Maybe. homage. I think I think that Yeah, it's not it's um, not direct it, enough. If they did they failed because like Yeah, that's asked. just my, my goofy theory. Mm-hmm. Telenovela shit. I mean, yeah, that's kinda in the same vein as the as the soap opera thing. Telenovelas are basically just Spanish soap operas a lot of the same visual but style. I want to hit you with something that you might not have noticed and that I, I pointed out to Cleveland while we were watching it. And yeah. um, I couldn't unnotice it after this. So whenever they shoot Esther, whenever they want to show her feet, they show like a kid's feet, you know, always right. like calf down. Whenever they shoot her from the front, it's always from the chest up because they try their 
goddamnedest not to show her arms. And there's a reason for that. Because they'd be whenever too you're too long. Yes, whenever you're standing on your knees, you've got long fucking Lanky Kong arms. So the few <laughs> shots where you see her arms, it's so disquieting because they're so long in proportion to her portrayed height. So I'm just like looking at like Lanky Kong first kill, and I'm like, damn, it must be really annoying for everyone to hear her knuckles dragging across the floor while she's shooting these scenes. Well, the like, thing is, the thing is too is like. She's definitely on her knees in, like, some scenes, but for a lot of it, they just have all of the other actors in the scene uh, on, like, huge lifts. Like, I I shared with Ben in Cleveland a few days ago, like, a, a an on-set picture of, like, the main actors, and they're all in their, like, big lifts, except for Isabel Furman. And then we're talking, like, seven, eight-inch lifts. Yeah. Um... At least. At least, yeah. Maybe more like a foot. But there are times where you can kind of tell in the scenes because people in in the scene with Esther will be, like, kind of unnaturally tall for, like, the set. The like, airport scene is a great example. Yes, that's that's where I really noticed it. When they're coming off the plane and they're, like, walking through the terminal and they, like, stop and, like, talk. There are people walking by, like, in the background. And I noticed that all of the people who are walking by are about Esther's height. So they didn't put the people in the background on lifts. So, like, they're walking by, but then Julia Stiles is, like, really, really tall. And it looks so fucking weird. And there are other parts where, like, uh, Esther will be, like, going into a door, a doorway in the background, and she's, like, very obviously taller than she's supposed to be, and, like, not that shy of, like, the top of the door when she should be, like, much lower. And, like, the movie's just full of those fucking, like, weird unnatural tricks to try to like yeah. make the height yeah. work well when they're taking her home it seems like everyone is sitting in a booster seat in, in the, the car yeah. <laughs> everybody's like she's obviously like way slumped down her in the seat but like everyone else in the car like their heads are all like scraping the roof of the car because they're all in like booster seats <laughs> and it's and it's fucked up that they're like if you look at interviews with Isabel Furman, she's like, you can tell that she did this as like clout as an actress. She's like, you know, I did all this stuff and you're never going to be able to tell that I'm, oh, you know, no. not super short. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh. Yeah, it was like her thing. Like uh, I was writing news for Dread Central uh, about a year ago and I did an interview like I transposed an interview with Isabel Furman and Julia Stiles where they're like, oh, we didn't use computers. We used you know, this is all Isabel's superior acting. And it's like, damn, no, it's not. Like, I've seen it now. <laughs> it's not. Well, and, it's, and like, to her credit, it does. It has nothing to do with acting, really. Like, from an acting perspective, like, her performance is fine. But it's just the fact that she's an adult woman with an adult woman's body and proportions pretending to be a 10-year-old with a 10-year-old's proportions and it doesn't and it's 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 uncanny all the time like it never it never looks good never well i will say i i want to pose this question to you guys because i think 
once the big twist in this movie happens, I didn't think about that stuff at you all. You stopped caring? After that point. Yeah, I didn't care. I didn't focus on it at all. I just thought about kind of the craziness of the twist and how original and weird it is. Did you guys still focus on her height after? Um, I focused on the arms a lot. Yeah, um, I thought it was magical the whole time. I was I was pretty constantly <laughs> giggling at at her. Yeah, like I think just I mean the whole like Lanky Kong first kill thing just had me in fucking tears. I'm gonna be honest. Like we were watching it, we started like singing like you know like Lanky Kong orphan first kill. She is 33, but looks like she's 10. She has the strength. Of a hundred men, you know, <laughs> <laughs> doing shit like that, and just oh. get, like, like there's that bit where she's at the dinner table, like with all three of all four of them, and the other three are like have their hands out and they begin eating, and she can't because she has the gorilla arms, so she's yeah, sitting yeah. with her hands under the table, and it's like it cuts the shot several times, and they're all eating normally, but she isn't because she can't. <laughs> yeah, the only time the only time she's ever eating is uh is when she's in close up and you can't yeah. see her whole arms. Yeah, exactly. totally. And uh, I uh, there's there's a really funny shot when she's escaping from the asylum where uh, it's like following her from the back and like it's obviously a child and then the child like jumps behind like a like a filing cabinet or something to like hide for a second. And then Isabel Furman pokes her head out and looks back down the hall towards the camera and then sort of, like, shambles out, like, ov- like walking weird, like, on her knees or something. I- I'm not sure exactly what yeah, was going on. Crab but it's like, there are definitely shots in this movie where they had her on knee pads walking around, and it's really yeah, on Yeah, on really knee pads or, like, ro- like, uh, like, rolling things, like, on her... On her knees or something. Or there, like, there are times, she's like moving yeah, there are times where she's like her body is like kind of moving side to side, like she's supposed to be walking, <laughs> but it's more like she's sort of gliding. Yeah. It's <sighs> how do you how do you watch this and feel like you nailed it? Like that's it's so incredible. And I I can understand like coming at this movie and like thinking like yeah you know we'll do blocking shots like they did to make the hobbits look small in Lord of the Rings. This is gonna, it's gonna work so well, but, like, as soon as you do test shoots, right, like, I would think you'd see, be like, oh, wait, no, this isn't gonna work, because you, you have a shot from the back, and it's a child running up to, up to the mom, and then you cut to the front, and it's an adult woman, and, like, that's just, that's all it is, and you can't, you you can't hide that without, like, digital de-aging, or, like, some, some really good makeup, and, like, they have makeup for that, too, like, they could have, like, done, like, what they did for, uh, you know, like, fucking Gary Oldman to make him look like Winston Churchill or fucking, uh... Movie uh, didn't have that kind see, of budget, Clave. Here's the I thing, know, like, the thing, if there's yeah. any kind of movie that could pull it off, it's this kind of movie where it's schlocky and campy. I yeah, just went, wish it went slightly more campy with it. Well, yeah. and I think the, the, the twist helps with some of that. Yes. Uh, it's interesting to hear that they were doing this film like seriously that like uh, yeah they weren't doing like self-aware schlock because i figured that's like the only way you can make this movie like you oh. have to you have to recognize that you're doing schlock right yeah but i guess they didn't that's that's bizarre 
there are several signs to me that point to like it not being self-aware, and primarily it's beyond the the really goofy and dumb twist. Um, the things that are funny about the twist don't strike me as self-aware, and the other aspects of the plot are just it, the plot is really really poorly written. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So if you're just going to break it down, I've got like like three three small points on it, and it's it's largely uh, this is an origin story. It's orphan first kill. We get to go back in time and see how this crazy person became a crazy person. And that's the cool thing about, like, killer films, right? And when they do a prequel, it's like, oh, we get to see how they were created. We get to see how Walter White became Breaking Bad. <laughs> we get to see we – get, we get to get into the mind of Jigsaw or whatever or whoever, right? Like, we get to, we get to find this out. This isn't an origin story. It pretends no, it pretends it is, but exactly. it's not because the film starts with her already in the asylum and the doctor is showing the therapist, like, photos of people that Esther or whatever her real name is has killed. So it's not a fucking origin story. She has already been killing people and doing the whole thing. Right. They so wanted words, to leave it open for another one, because if they do another one, they'll do it a prequel to They'll this call one. it Orphan First Kill for Real this time. <laughs> no, you're right. Like, first after kill. her first kill. Like, we never see her first kill. And, like, she's, not an, and she's not an orphan, either. Oh, my God. So, like, the movie, the movie is just... Uh, just Badly titled. Yeah, and and well, what's so weird about that is um, that hamstrings her character from being able to have an arc. She she never changes. We never get any development with her character or real revelations or realizations. It's she starts as who she is and she ends no different. There's no change. There's no like whatever development with her character. She she's just the she's just what he is. She's just what she is. And, no, the only uh, the only thing that changes uh, is the context around the other characters, which we right. can get into soon. Um, yes, and uh, you know, with that, there's also the fact that she is, and I'm I hate I hate using the word because it's just it's it's so overused right now. But but she is, she's a Mary Sue. She's she's the horror equivalent of that, and I and I hate that because like okay, like are you going to use the same term for fucking Jason or whatever? I get it, I get it, but it is weird how like. They do the genius thing, but, like, none of it feels, like, again, earned. Because, like, the... Um, I was just talking about, like, in our, the previous movie we covered in the podcast, like, how earned everything feels with, with Prey. So I, I feel like I'm allowed. But um, with this Dude, movie, like, the candy uh, thing is one where it's, like, it doesn't feel like she's a master manipulator. She just kind of gives her a piece of candy and she does whatever she wants. Yeah, she um, doesn't do... Like, the, the and, extent of her manipulation is really the fact that she pretends to be a child. Well, and then also the fact that she just somehow has Snow White powers and wargs a small rat. She's she's pretty she's pretty bad at pretending she's a child too. Like everybody in this movie suspects her like immediately. Yes. Yeah. And you know Jan said it pretty well too, like while we were watching the movie, that like as soon as you like step back and look at this film with like any kind of analytical glance that, like, it falls apart, because yeah. they, oh. the, the first thing they would do after a child disappears for years on end and, like, reappears in a foreign nation is do a DNA test, which are not that <laughs> cheap and easy to do, even in 2007. Like, yeah, but the family the family is, like, super rich. Yeah, they fly her back on a fucking private jet. Yeah, uh, like, they would, they would have done a DNA test. Like, yep. they just would... Well, well, that's the thing. Should we get into the, the twist? Let's oh, say... Yeah. Okay. 
Should we yeah. give a general recommend, no recommend before we get into the twist? Would it. you recommend people to see this movie? Yeah, I was yeah. laughing the whole time. Yeah, I, I recommend would. it. It's got would, strong, maybe. strong malignant energy. Yeah. Oh, that's not fair. Don't yeah. go malignant to the theater. Is malignant is so much better than this. You don't need yeah. to go to the theater to see it, but it's it's yeah. on streaming. Like, I, I do if see you the have Paramount Paris, Plus, though. you might as well. If you yeah. want to see something, if you want to see something like interesting in sort of a baffling way, I can recommend it for that. Not as like a good movie though. Or even like a so bad it's good. I feel like it's I, I don't know if I would want to like watch this again necessarily. I feel like now that I've seen it, I've been like, yeah, that 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 was fucking weird. But I don't know if I have much of an urge to like go back to this one. If it wasn't for that twist, I'd feel the same way. Anyway, yeah, let's let's get into the twist. Um so like halfway through the movie, it's revealed that uh, the real Esther, who uh, Isabel Furman is impersonating, uh, is dead, and she was killed by the douchey older brother, and the mom covered it up. Hey, so they could you yeah. describe in detail how the brother killed the sister? I can't because because they they never say <laughs> they, never they call a really important picture <laughs> they say he got too rough with her one day and then they de- and then the mom describes it as older sibling bullshit so That's i all guess, we can. <laughs> i guess that and like older older sibling bullshit is like verbatim the the mm-hmm. term she uses yeah, and and too rough also yeah you you, you quoted it and, directly and it's so I guess we're supposed to believe that they were like fighting or something and he killed her. But then also the mom's motivation in that same monologue, she's like, she's like, I loved my daughter to death, but it's a mother's job to protect her family no matter what. So I couldn't lose my son too. It's like, your son murders your daughter, and you're like, oh, my sweet baby boy, I can't lose you to the police. Better, no, 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 no. Better dump your, your sister's body down a fucking... I think it's all that. I don't want to lose social standing. Well, that and it's, it's simple math. You know, you can have one kid or you can have no kids. Yeah, but you can have one kid that you will always know murdered your other kid. Yeah. Or you could what? just start from scratch. Well, yeah. maybe also as status thing, like I can. Yeah, buy social status. Yeah, like, the, they're so rich people. I can buy. Don't it, yeah, be gossip. Yeah, the one I thing can, I, I can I, buy I it trouble. more from a social status thing too. Mm-hmm. The one thing I have trouble buying is just how did he do it? Because that's a really important factor. It's like, okay, how were they roughhousing? Did she like trip and fall downstairs? Did she? Were they like playing on a swing set? And he was like. Haha! Ha, pretend you know, like something, and like I... she flew off. You know, like he he kicked the swing set, and she she actually flew off and broke her neck. Like I think I think she fell. Uh, she was pushed down the stairs, and I, the reason I think so is uh, when that happens later in the movie when he pushes Esther down the stairs. To kill her, there, yeah. There's like a shocked look he has with the mom. 
and they meet eyes and have like an almost like oh this happened again look See, and I almost cool feel like if they, they had might have had a flashback in a prior draft of the script, or even a prior edit of the the film, uh, where they show that explicitly, but they were like, probably need to cut it for time. See, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if I give this movie that much credit in terms of subtlety, because, like... From what we do see in the movie, the reason why they have that moment when he pushes her down the stairs and they think she's dead is because their plan was they were going to try to make it look like she killed herself. Because, like, she was mentioning to the cop, like, oh, she's been talking about, like, wanting to hurt herself and I don't know, and I think she might be serious. So they were gonna, they were trying to fake her suicide, and if she fell down the stairs then that plans out the window. But I, I I think that your interpretation brings more to it. I just it shows don't how know. It almost could have been... Yeah, I just don't know if that was... The, I just don't know right. if the... Because then there's like a the repeating was, motif. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk about um, it. But like, the, um, the, the other thing about it that's silly for me, like, and I don't think... I, I find it odd if it was a choice for time is that that monologue goes on for, like, six minutes. It's a long... It's a long one. And in all that time, like, she, like, throws out all these platitudes, which is just another example of, like, poor writing. Um, And in all of that time, with all that space, with all the platitudes, she we could have worked in that texture as to, like, how the brother killed... You don't need to see it, you know? Like, just... She can paint the picture with her words, but she doesn't. Like, it's... All we get is is just they play we're playing rough and she died. It's like that's a really important detail. How do you not think that's needed, right? To like for us to understand well, these characters. If you're going to explain that, it would it would take away from her saying we came over on the Mayflower. Oh God, right? That, exactly. Like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> also, real real quick note about the twist. Um, after the twist happens, after it's revealed, Julia Stiles starts adding uh fucking into every other word she says <laughs> like yeah. he's written as like oh the the gloves have come up the mask is off completely this is dark julia styles she's gonna say she's like we came over on the fucking mayflower you fucking mutant grifter like she just gets <laughs> like real bad at cursing like it's not even good cursing where it like enhances the sentence she just throws in a random fuck or fucking and then there's that really creepy part where she's like, I'm going to go fuck my adult husband now. And it's like... Uh, that wasn't necessary. Well, Jeez. that's... That's that's yeah. the super baffling thing about it all. Is that the reason the mom and the brother like even allow this oh, yeah. like fraud to come into their house in the first place is because... Uh, ever since the real Esther went, quote-unquote, went missing, the dad has been too sad to paint or fuck his wife. <laughs> and, and that is, that is it. So they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll bring this strange child home, uh, who turns out to not be a child, so that I can fuck my adult well, husband well, again. Really and so, but then detail there is we will bring this child home and learn that she is a psycho murderer. Like they know if that during that opening monologue where all this is revealed, 
she's also revealing she knows who she is. Meaning she knows that, like, she is a psycho murderer. And her choice is to keep her around to keep her husband happy? Like, where it's like, okay, well, oh no, spoiler alert, the psycho murderer is gonna go and be a psycho murderer again. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would... Well, that's the funniest part, because there's a scene later on when... Uh, the the brother confronts her, and he's just an absolute shit. Yeah. But he lays out that like he lays out his leverage over the situation by saying, you know, we could just kill you, and you know who's going to believe what an illegal immigrant or this? Yeah, he threatens to ship her back off to Estonia. Yeah. She's like, I'll take you down with me. And he's like, oh yeah, like they'll believe you. And in saying that, it kind of makes the whole stakes of the situation in general fall apart. Mm-hmm. Because if that's the stakes, it's not her going missing twice. The brother yeah. is uh, the worst character in the movie. He's such a little shit. And he's like, do you want to go back to Estonia, you fucking immigrant? My name's Rich Whiteman, and I approve this message. Like, he's the most waspy motherfucker in the whole movie. Yeah, the introduction, his introduction is a, is, uh, he's at a fencing tournament. Yeah, he's a fencing And he's fencing in slow motion to the song Evil by Interpol, which, now that I think about it, is kind of the giveaway that he's evil all along. Damn. <laughs> you don't I should have caught that. I should have wow. caught that. I was like, why are they... Because, like, that, that song, which is a song I like, but it took me by surprise, because it's like, they're using this Interpol song that came out in, like, 2003 or 2004 or something in a movie made in 2022 and it's like this is weird it's like oh well the song is called evil and it's played over the evil brother fencing and he breaks uh he breaks his fencing foil at the end of the fight and then they, he uses that later to try to kill esther yeah Chekhov's foil yeah um, curses foiled again yeah but like the, speaking of, um, like, using, like, really obvious music cues, um, there's also a bit where she, Esther gives up, and she puts on makeup for the first time, and she, uh, she steals she, their car, she and she starts car, driving yeah. off, and they start playing Maniac, like, yes. those obvious <laughs> pull, uh, ever, it's like, damn, they, like, paid to put that in the movie, like, let's just, it, like, again, like, handed yeah. Yeah, it's so it's heavy-handed, kinda, obvious, but the best part is, once again, like, showing us, like, how useless Esther is, she's immediately pulled over by the cops. Yeah. Instantly. I mean, the image, separated from how shitty the effects are, and how dear Evan hansen the effects are, the, the image of a ten-year-old driving a car... Taking it on a joyride is fucking hilarious. Driving like Riding a, big, a cigarette and like yeah, yeah, like, like a big SUV, putting on lipstick, wearing sunglasses, and smoking a cigarette. Again, these are the things they couldn't have gotten away with if they were using an actual child, which is why I think they lean into that more. Although, could have gotten away with that with an actual child in like the eighties. I think I think at that point, whenever she was in the car smoking the cigarette. Uh, I think my comment was, oh, my God, she's driving a car like she's people Uh, because throughout the whole movie, uh, it was mostly like they kind of treat Esther as a character like a small dog. It's like it's like, oh, she's at the table like people. 
they're constantly trying to hide that she's not a small person. I there's just so many thoughts in my brain that it's giving me a stroke. I'm having a stroke right now, thinking about Orphan. I feel you, brother. I feel you. <laughs> it is. It is like uh, sort of a. a a Lovecraftian horror in that way where like, if you start like really considering any of it, it does start to like unravel your uh, sanity a little bit. Like if you see Esther out of the corner of your eye, you see that she's actually like adult sized. And then if you look at her directly, she's child sized. (laughs) That's the horror. Yeah. Yeah, That's the horror. Holy shit. That would be a good open movie. Yeah. Yeah, Like out of the corner of your eyes, she's like, you know, knuckles dragging on the ground, lanky Kong Esther. (laughs) And then if you look at her directly, she's a 10-year-old Estonian orphan. Uh, don't read the Necronorphicon. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i constantly going between, like, absolutely loving the, the pure goofiness of the premise to hating everything about it. Yeah, it well, that's sits... the thing, like, Whiplash. The, yeah. the, the premise itself, especially with the twist, introduces such a fun and campy power dynamic where you have, like, two competing evils. And that that's fun in itself, but I think it's just so incompetently made. It doesn't that... push any of it far enough. Like, I think that you could make a really fun movie out of this premise, but I think you've got to introduce that twist way sooner. Like, fuck it. Like, let's let's get to that point you know, 20, 30 minutes into the movie instead of an hour in, you know? Like, get get there much quicker and then really lean into it. I was saying to Ben, because he mentioned that he liked the part where she tries to push the uh, Julia Stiles and the brother onto the train tracks, like, right before the train is coming, but then, like, a guy walks by and she bumps into him instead and it foils her. Like, how fun would it have been if we'd gotten, like, a whole montage of her trying and failing to kill them? Just, like, really fucking lean into it. And, like... It, like, it, it's like a reverse Home Alone. It really does feel like the schlockiness of this movie is incidental. And we get we get a few other instances of that, like her making the smoothie for Julia Stiles. And puts the dead rat in yeah. it, because she killed, because Julia Stiles killed her rat friend that she had for some... Yeah. What was... What was the deal with that? Why was she friends with the rat? Once again, to show her, like, it's it's an attempt to show that she's a super genius manipulator, and that she understands how to manipulate rats. But he like, doesn't manipulate the rat, though. He imagine the rat just instantly likes her. It, again, just like the home, just like the crazy person in the asylum, where it's like she gives it a piece of candy. Um, them a piece of candy. It. Sorry, she gives them a piece of candy. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, Cleveland. Yeah, damn. Well, sorry. Mentally but, like, ill erasure. <laughs> um uh i'd be erasing myself but the uh with the rat like it, yeah like it's the same thing where it's like they're doing like, it's like almost like a disney princess like snow white kind of thing where it's like she just has power over the animal and it's like that's not really how genius works you know like no, a person would like slowly lay out pieces of food and befriend and earn befriending the rat but instead the rat just kind of instantly likes her like a cartoon she, rat but also what is the point of the rat? She doesn't to, to do die. Literally, the rat is yeah, to die. So they can learn that they're poisoning the her. Bit. 
Yeah. Just they they have so many instances where it's clear that they had one bit in mind that they they wanted to do in the movie and they try to build everything around it. Like we were talking Tease and I were talking about this with the uh the blacklight painting. Oh, because it's like Oh yes, I'm a fine artist who specializes in blacklight painting. You All of his see... paintings have a hidden layer, so it's one thing when it's regular lights, and you turn on the black lights, and it's a different image. Just you like can find her. my art at every Florida Coast tourist <laughs> trap. And I thought for sure when they introduced that that they were going to use the black light as some sort of gimmick for something like in the movie, and they're like, okay, and they're yeah, me too, honestly. And it's like, okay, so they came up with the the blacklight gimmick for something later in this movie, and they had to figure out how to make it make sense organically in the, the story. The so okay, the, the movie is in that blacklight paint. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's, it, first, it's, uh, it's, like, the, the same font and background as, like, the original Orphan film, and then, like, a black light passes over it, and we see, like, the much more, like, uh, primitively painted Orphan first kill over Which is cool. It. Yeah, it's funny. I, I and hate it, to be, I hate to bring up Grave Encounters, um, <laughs> but I will. Uh, so we talked about how you all didn't see the original Grave Encounters whenever it first came out in the marketing behind that movie and how people are like, oh, this is fucking scary. Is this a real thing? You know, because it was distributed in strange places. Orphan, the first Orphan kind of had that same marketing buzz, but for a different reason. Everybody knows the twist of Orphan now, but it's kind of like a sixth sense situation where back then we thought yeah. we were going to yeah. go see a movie about a killer kid. And right. that that like third act twist is so fucking jarring if you've not seen it or heard about it. Like it was the first Orphan is a good movie. It's a legitimately good movie. I don't know how it holds up if you know the twist beforehand, but you could not call it like I know there's people that probably haven't seen it. They're like, oh, I could totally see it coming. Yeah, because, you know, like if you didn't know and you're just watching the film, it's fucking crazy whenever they're like, actually, it's a 30 year old Estonian woman. And you're like, what well, the fuck? Isn't part of that because Isabel Furman was an actual child, so it's yes, like she yes. does look like a child. Like they really do. It really is like a twist. Yes, it was like, like a twelve-year-old playing a thirty-year-old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And one see thing I respect about this movie as a sequel as is from the get-go, from the first couple minutes, they emphasize, "Oh, hey, yeah." She is an adult in a child's body. Yeah. This is not a twist in this movie. Yeah, this no, is it's, something it's, very clear immediately. It's the first thing the movie tells you. Yeah. And that's why I think the whole, like, the twist should come way sooner. Yeah. Because that twist did genuinely take me by surprise. I don't think that it's necessarily a clever twist, but it was baffling. I, I did have, like, a very strong reaction to it in, like, what the fuck is happening here. It's like, a very entertaining. Twist. Like, when Julia Stiles shows up while Esther's, like, stabbing the cop, and she just, like, shoots the cop on the ground, like, five times. I was like, 
where the like what the fuck is going on here where is this going like it is it is like a very jarring twist but that's why i think you should in this case get to that way fucking sooner so most of the movie can be about the power struggle between these two evil forces both vying for the love of the same dim-witted man and <laughs> Like, that is way more interesting to me. But the problem is that twist comes, like, easily halfway through the film. So, like, all of the build-up up to that is, like, so generic and, frankly, I think pretty boring outside of the novelty of, like, how weird Isabel Furman's performance is. Like, as pretending to be a child, you know? Like, outside of that strangeness, like, the the narrative of the first half of the movie is, like, so boring, I thought. I think it's just wasted potential to not get to the bonkers shit earlier and, like, really, like, ride that for the rest of the movie, you know? Definitely. I just don't think it goes far enough. With it. Oh, yeah. I just, I enjoyed that novelty so much. But I agree that, like, the sequencing is pretty generic up until that point. But, um... Yeah, it's boring. Like, she goes to the fuck. She goes to the therapist, and... The therapist is suspicious, and, you know... Well, yeah, it's just, like, an inappreciated version of the first. Yeah. Yeah, she misidentifies uh, the macaw slash parrot in the therapist's office. Which leads to another fantastic Julia Stiles F-bomb in the latter half of the movie. Where she's like, it was a macaw, not a fucking parrot. It's like, all right, calm down, yeah. Julia. Oh, right. that reminds me. I'm um, going to go fuck my adult husband. Yeah, I'm going to fuck my adult husband. Meh. Um, the, uh, right after the, it's, it was a fucking macaw, they have to now like make sure, okay, now that we're all working as a dumb, evil team, we have to now like just really make sure that we have our story straight. So what do they do? They go back to the therapist to now prove on record that it's definitely their daughter and not an Estonian uh, that scene is so funny. Yeah, that scene so fucking funny. pissed me off. Like, I was mad about it. I was telling Cleveland, I was like, this is fucking stupid. Because the therapist is like, okay, let's talk about a happy memory you have. And the dad, who is not party to this stupid fucking plan, is like, oh, yeah, we had that. Dad. Yeah, we had that summer in Paris. And then Esther just starts rattling off everything that happened with that summer in Paris. And like. Uh, specific detail. Yeah, and she's like, oh, yeah, and, and and spring in Tuscany, and we went to this wildlife park, and there was a buffalo, uh, yeah. and the buffalo genus, um, and then she's just rattling off needless information. Yeah. And, I, and it's like, how did they cram in her entire childhood in, like, one, like, evening before they went to the therapist? Because the funny thing I find that fucking hilarious, because to me, that read as Oh, they they practiced in one single event for the whole night, and she just rattled it off verbatim as they practiced. Because the way she presents it is so obviously, like, prepared. Yeah, it's so, so scripted. The funny thing about it to me, too, is that after that, we see the therapist, like... Uh, speaking into like a tape recorder like in her office after the session and she's like Esther seems emotionally stable and happy 
no further observations and, and just, just turns it <laughs> and see that's where like i can see like the 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 script the writer director right like assumedly is it it strikes me as I that I, I could be wrong but i can just I see know, like i think it's no right yeah it's different writers. Up script, like i can just totally see just being like yeah i'm a goddamn genius like you know like working <laughs> on that up it's just like, it just it has that energy it has that like um that auteur energy to it you yeah, know? it is. It is written by uh, a different person, uh, a guy mm-hmm. named David David Cogshall, who uh, whose other credits uh, include The Haunting in Connecticut Two, Ghosts of Georgia, um, something called Lore, and uh, a movie called Prey. Not that one. No relation. Yeah. No relation. Lore. Lore is the TV show based on the podcast that was on Amazon for two seasons. First season's oh, very good. Are you serious? Yeah, first season's to, very good. I used good. to listen to that podcast, but uh, I stopped because I thought I got bored with Aaron Menke's delivery. Too, yeah, his delivery too, is awful. Too sleepy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I will say that, that Orphan First Kill did cut back significantly on the creepiness um, that the first film had. The first film, uh, there is a scene... Where Esther, having successfully gotten her adopted mother committed uh, for child abuse, if I remember correctly, uh, dresses provocatively and tries to seduce the the adopted father. There's a lot of creepy oh, shit like a, that in the first a, uh, movie. Oh shit! So that's a theme because that was one of the yeah. weirdest things about this movie to me was like the love triangle kind of thing. Yeah, because. Where... Esther... But so that's something that's established in the original is that she constantly has hots for her adopted dads. Right, but it's it's not Weird. played to the same length as the, in the first movie. In this one, it's like she's kind of, you know, she's got it plays it like a small crush and then at the end of the movie she like she's tenderly like, touches his hands a few and times. She, yeah, and then by the end of the movie though, like without really any any build up, she's like I did this all for you. Um, I love you. Yeah, it's so fucked. And can we it's talk so about? Funny. It's so funny that he finds out who she is because, like, when they're standing on the roof of the burning house after Julia Stiles has fallen to her death, the dad like pinches Esther's cheeks, uh, kind of, he... and it dislo- and it dislodges her uh, her dentures or whatever, revealing her like nasty Estonian teeth. <laughs> and he's that like scene... who are you you're a monster that scene was so fucking weird because there's no <laughs> reason funny. that he would manipulate her face like that it's, like no it's no, such no, a weird no. it's such a weird thing to yeah, do yeah it's not like he put both hands on the side of her head that i would understand where he's just like yeah. hey listen what's going on no he like takes his forefinger and his thumbs and he's just like manipulating her face clumsily until her yeah and until her dental bridge falls out and he's like oh who are you and And then he like goblin teeth and he's like you're and he even says you're a monster and then falls over falls off the thing it almost gives you whiplash because like it's like you're a monster i love you from Ah! esther and then Esther like pushes him. No, he pull like pulls away from her and like falls. Yeah, yeah, it's very, um, it's very Frankenstein. Yes, in yeah. a way. Turns out, Beast killed the Beast. I just thought it was really weird, and it will stick with me forever. And I need you all out there listening to go watch this film. And at the end, 
explain to me what the fuck he is doing to her face. <laughs> like, it's obvious the director was like, hey, at the, in this scene, you know, her, her dental bridge needs to pop out and reveal her goblin teeth. Um, find a way there's to do that naturally. Number, there's any number of ways that you could have done that. Yeah, exactly. But instead, he just, like, puts her head on the clay spinning wheel and starts working it like he's making a vase. Yeah, it, like fucking, like fucking ghost. Yeah, it makes no sense, and it was so jarring and weird. And then his very abrupt death afterwards, where Esther does not kill him. He's like, oh, goblin teeth, and falls backwards off of the roof dying it's as so well. It's so funny because it's like, it's like a minute after Julia Stiles has also fallen off the roof to her death. It's like Hans Gruber style. It's yeah. Oh yes, yes. Uh, ben and I were saying the same thing. It's mm-hmm. it is uh, it is her falling through the fire to the concrete is like it's such a Hans Gruber falling off of Nakatomi. The fucking silly blood. Yeah, slide. Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland said that he was like, "Oh shit, Hans Gruber," and it is. If only she had the really elongated arms. <laughs> but unfortunately Esther had those so she didn't yeah. get to have them for the fall. But it's but it it feels so lazy that like a minute after Julia Stiles falls to her death that the husband also just falls off the roof to his death. He like lands like right next to her. It's like you couldn't come up with like a diff like he could have staggered back away from her and like the roof could have caved in and he could have like fallen into the fire in like the attic or something like you- literally any like, or even have like a mini sort of cat and mouse in the house He's I think at that point, her. the house was pretty fully on fire, wasn't it? It, it doesn't yeah, matter but she because she also goes into the house yeah. and walks That's very true. calmly out of it. So. That's true. No, no, no. Yeah, no. She doesn't walk out of the house completely. She she makes stops in this fully engulfed house. <laughs> she goes to the bedroom, puts away her bloody like neck handkerchief, grabs some new ones, puts them on, slowly walks through the house, and then leaves. And that's that's so fucking dumb. That's not how house fires well, exactly. work. Exactly. You Dude, can well, totally have a sort of schlocky cat and mouse with the dad chasing her and her running away and appearing places. I could almost feel during that scene where the dad falls off the roof, I could feel the producer tapping on his watch and making the move along gesture. Like, come on, <laughs> let's get this let's get this motherfucker in the can. Gotta, let's go. We gotta wrap this shit up. I also noticed uh to your sort of to your point, Jans, when she's walking through the house uh, in slow motion, there is uh, the, the house is fully engulfed in flames, uh, and there's no smoke inside the house at all as she's walking through. It's just fire, and she's not experiencing the effects of being within two feet of a raging inferno, which would burn you so badly on, you would die before you got a third of the way down the hallway. Yeah, well, it, on, it's, on it's three sides. The- the whole house is on fire. It's that the walls and ceiling are completely engulfed, but the hardwood wood floors totally fine. Like, well, that's, well, Cleveland, that's just a well sealed floor. You go down there, you get some of that Thompson's Thompson's deck sealer. You can walk right through a burning house and not have to worry about it. Thompson's deck sealer. We we got your back. I don't fucking know, dude. It was sealed really well. Thanks yeah. for sponsoring the episode, Thompson's deck sealer. <laughs> Thanks, Thompsons. My house is on fire right now, and I'm able to record this podcast while the, the ceiling and walls burn around me. If only I'd sealed my deck with Thompsons. Maybe I wouldn't have monkeypox. <laughs> <laughs>
Now the 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 floor is not burning and the the walls burning almost gave me like a Silent Hill two vibe. Ugh, <laughs> I'm burning. <laughs> Don't remind me about that. Not the movie. The oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, you said Silent Hill two, and we did just watch Silent yeah. Hill Revelations last week, and I'm still yeah, kind we did. of yeah. That I am. I forgot earlier. I was like saying like, oh yeah, coming off of Prey, like I can talk about Mary Susan. I totally forgot like, that we nope. even watched it. That's right. See, I'm here. Cleveland's like, you know, you got to come on and talk about Orphan First Kill with us. I'm like, that's cool. But the real thing, this has all been a ruse. I have to apologize to all of you. I know. I'm here to demand that you cover Grave Encounters 2. Okay. I mean, it's on our sequel list. Yeah, I'm here to demand it. Um, I have I have a gun. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. I have hostages. I, are we ready to rate this? I don't think I have much more to say about this movie. Oh, no, we got our sponsor in. Uh, you know, yeah, we, we got the sponsor. We got the sponsor done before we even uh, before we even uh, rated the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Two and a half out of five. Like it was kind of interesting, but uh, a lot of it was really boring, and uh, they didn't lean into the schlock enough because apparently they were taking this. Very serious movie, very seriously. Uh, I think that that was to the film's detriment. But anyway. Yeah, look, I expected to hate this film. And that whole twist with the the family trying to cover up a murder and using her (laughs) as kind of a fake daughter... That's fucking great. That's, That's, like, pure schlock energy that... I was not expecting out of this movie. I was expecting far more by the numbers than that. And so I have to give it props for that. You know, I think a normal shitty sequel like this wouldn't have something so clever. Um, even, but the thing is, like we've mentioned throughout this whole episode, it just does that so terribly. Like, this is like a sort of clever twist just executed absolutely awfully. I agree with you, Tease. I think it could have been done way earlier and way more schlocky. I think in the moment I was leaning three, but I'm going to go two and a half as well. Earlier, Jan's, like, uh, he compared to Malignant, and I do... I do see it, like, you know, the, the start with her breaking out of the asylum and getting on the loose and all that kind of stuff. But um, when I think about Malignant, I also think about, like, how they made the asylum look like fucking Arkham and shit, like, with the big matte paintings. And it's so grand, it's just, it's so much fun to watch. I think I've seen Malignant, like, three or four times since it came out now. Um, and I'll, I'll be watching this a few more times as well, but, like, this the... And scale isn't everything, and I, it, it certainly isn't enough to give it, like, more or less stars or whatever but but here like it doesn't i don't feel like it's gonna stick with me like the same way either for being funny or for being cool um like that film did but um i i'm a little torn between like a three and a three and a half because i just i was like pretty much cackling the whole time at at her it never wore off for me like i i I thought her being like like as an adult trying to portray a child and everyone on the cast and crew being like yeah we're nailing it like when it's just clearly not is still funny to me, and I want to watch it again just just for that reason alone. 
And then you had the batshit twist on the end of it. Yeah, it was... I, I think it is so bad it's good. Um, uh, and, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give it a 3. I think like, a solid 3 is fine. 2, 2.5 out of 5. It's 2.5 out of 5 because it's right in the middle between 0 and 5. Yeah. And if there's <laughs> yeah, anything... Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, if there's anything that could explain <laughs> Orphan First Kill, it's right between the 0 and 5. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's right there. It's not going to revolutionize horror. It's not going to become a classic, uh, but it's also not going to fall down into that weird space of like cult classics with 0% Rotten Tomatoes scores. It's going to be a forgettable middle-of-the-road horror movie until they make another one. It's Wait. the kind of movie that like 10 years from now, we're going to be like, hey, remember Orphan First Kill? Like, <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, it's going to be the kind of movie... 15 years from now, they announced that a 40-year-old Isabel Furman is going to be reprising her role as Esther. She's going to be back. In a prequel. In, in a prequel where they show Esther's actual childhood in Estonia. And she's, <laughs> she's going to be playing an actual 10-year-old. Beautiful. Well, and the focus wait. is going to be so soft, it's going to look like you're watching the movie through frosted glass. I mean, at that point, they'll just deep fake her face onto an actual 10-year-old, right? Oh, Man, like they yeah, they're... Uh... Like they did in Men, or uh, I was gonna say the the other thing this movie was reminding me a lot of was like uh, Baby Colin Robinson from this <laughs> season of What We Do in the Shadows, yes. where they just like digitally put uh, his head onto an actual child's body. Like there are times so in the movie where that it does kind of have that same sort of effect. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that'll give Orphan First Kill an average of 2.6 out of 5. Well, hold on, hold on. I do want to say, like, am I the only person who didn't give it a 2.5? Yeah. All right, here. Uh, bah, call me a sheep or whatever, but uh, in solidarity, I'll, I'll, I'll bump it down a half a point so we can, it can be unanimous. All right. Well, then that's a unanimous 2.5 out of 5. Perfectly in the middle of the road, Call me where 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 it belongs, ready to be run over by a Tesla <laughs> that, that doesn't stop for children. <laughs> have y'all seen all of those videos that have been going around lately of the fucking Teslas just like routinely mowing over like? fake children in the crosswalk when they're doing the full self-driving no, test but I will at like 50 I'll miles an hour. There's a bunch of them. I've been seeing a bunch. Yeah, so basically Tesla's uh, full uh, automated drive or whatever uh, does not stop for children in the crosswalk. It will run them over <laughs> almost every single time. Good, watch. Self-driving self Tesla runs down three child dummies in safety test. Oh, oh, there oh, they go! Oh, no! <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that was a tangent. Um, uh, do we have uh, predictions for this, Ben? Yeah, but let's wait until next week. Uh, okay, because we'll have box office yeah, next this week. Yeah, this actually did get a theatrical release, believe it oh, or it not. Wow. Yeah. So um, okay. Yeah, we'll we'll save it for next week then. Um, Speaking of next week, next week is my pick, pick, and to continue the streak of shitty movies, um, we're gonna cover Blair Witch Two: Return of the the Witch, 
Isn't it called Book of Shadows? Book of Shadows, yeah. Return of the Book of Shadows. Uh, yeah, so next week is... Uh, Blair Witch 2. We're gonna keep watching shitty movies until a good movie comes out, I guess. Well, yeah, we've already done the sponsor. Courtesy of Jans. Thank you, Jans. Thompson's Deck Sealer. Thanks, Thompson. Thanks, Thompson. We'll let you dance a jig in a burning barn. Thanks, Thompson's. Well, that'll do it for us this week. If you like the show, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to the honorary pod boys, as always, Sam Simon and Zach Confer. Big ups to two kings. Big ups. You can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show, with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake, and also on Twitch at some spooky snake. Did uh, our inaugural Spooky Saturday, played through Blair Witch. That was fun. There's going to be another one in September at some point. Don't know when, don't know what I'm playing yet. Yeah, that was fun shit. But uh, it'll be happening. Blair Witch and the House of Many of Many, many Corners. corners. Yeah. The House of Many Corners. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. Yeah, I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Eric Studios. We've put out progress uh, at the, the, the rate of molasses on It Stairs Back. Um, you can also find uh, my work on uh, just via DreadXP.com, doing all sorts of fun uh, art and stuff for all of the cool games over at DreadXP. Go check out and support all of them. They all fucking slap. Um, uh, most recently, Mortuary Assistant is out. I think, uh, yeah, get, get, get fucking hype. I'm going to be at PAX in Seattle, hopefully, unless the monkeypox is <laughs> what it is. We'll see. But uh, anyway, that's it from me. Well, speaking of Dread XP, Jans, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Um, yes. Re- reject Weird Al. Return to Normal Al. Have a good night. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, no, sure. you you can uh, you can yes. find me on uh, on Twitter <laughs> at DreadXP underscore. That's the business account. You can find my personal account where I make bad jokes at Horror Played. Uh, we're also on TikTok, Instagram. And Facebook, at DreadXP Games. Go watch our little short videos showcasing the bangers we're putting out. They're very good. Um, once again, reject Weird Al. Return to normal, Al. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Jans. We're always glad to have you on the show. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, the door is Cool. So I'll there. see you guys next week for Blair Witch 2. It's going to yeah, be a banger. If you, want. <laughs> if you want. I won't stop you. I might still be remote. So, oh, yeah, when... well, you're gonna be remote until we know you're not contagious <laughs> with whatever you got. Oh yeah, I was going. Yeah. I was going to say I'm crawling um, into your windows to rub my face, my 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 moldy oh. face on you while you sleep. While Cleveland is out there being a Junji Ito comic brought to life, uh, I will be at PAX uh, Sans Monkey Pox uh, September 1st through the 6th in Seattle, Washington. If you want to come meet the Dread XP team. All of us, and maybe Cleveland will be there. Seattle Convention Center, I think. You're going to be Sans September Monkey 1st. Pox Undertale? I'm going to be Sans Monkey Pox Undertale. <laughs> Alright, well, I got nothing better than that, so bye. Bye. coming with me Through the aging, the fearing, the strife 
It's the smiling on the package, it's the faces in the sand, it's the thought that moves you upwards, embracing me with two hands. Right, we'll take you places, yeah, maybe to the beach. When your friends they do come crying, tell them now your pleasure set upon slow release. Trial. 